This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now, here's Mary Stirk. Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk, and today we're talking about Are You Ready to Retire? And with me today, I have certified financial planner Kelsey Banky. Good welcome, Kelsey. Good morning. Okay, so are you ready to retire? That's kind of a loaded question. <laughs> I think it's an emotional decision that people really struggle with. Absolutely. There's, uh, you know, your whole life you've been doing some kind of work for compensation and might be owning your own business, might be working for someone else. There's all sorts of things that could be. And to, to actually pull that trigger and do something different with your life uh, is a big emotional uh, point where you need to be ready for that. Most definitely. So when we look at retirement planning, we think of retirement as a three-legged stool. And that three-legged stool is made up of emotional readiness, health-related issues, and financial factors. Now, most financial advisors are only talking about the financial factors, but we want to touch on some of that emotional readiness and health-related pieces of this today, too, because they all really go together. If you kind of picture a three-legged stool in your mind and one of the legs of your stool isn't steady, your stool is going to tip over or fall over. <laughs> and we don't want that to happen for your retirement. So we, we have to pay attention to those things. So let's talk a little bit about emotional readiness first. One of the things that happens when you are facing retirement is that your identity has been kind of created and is highly embedded in the job that you're doing. So people see themselves as a financial planner or people see themselves as an attorney or a doctor, and they don't really know what to see themselves as when they're no longer doing that kind of work. And so it's something that you have to spend some time thinking about is what's your identity going to be like once you're no longer doing the job that you're used to doing? Absolutely. And I've heard some interesting things um, surrounding this, which is, it's definitely going to be unique to each type of career, but, and I was talking with a nurse and she said, you know, I was used to running and running and being needed and caring for people all the time. And so that shift to retirement where that wasn't necessarily my day to day was really a big, a big change. (laughs) (laughs) I also talked with a teacher one time and they said, it's great because I can use the restroom whenever I want to. (laughs) (laughs) So it it can be little things and it can be really big things. And, and I think it definitely, you know, that's something that will, will change and to give some thought to that before you're there um, can help you have a more successful retirement. Another paradigm shift that happens when you're in that retirement phase is actually utilizing money that you've saved all your life for retirement. That's really a difficult shift for a lot of people to make because your whole life you've been saving money and you've been building and building and building your retirement stash. And all of a sudden now you're going to start spending money that you've told yourself for 30 or 40 years you're not allowed to spend. So it's frequently difficult for people to feel okay about spending it. And one of the things that we see is that people still think, because they're used to doing this, they should be saving some of their monthly money in retirement. 
for a rainy day or for retirement. <laughs> and that's not true. Once you're in retirement, it's not about saving for retirement anymore. You're already there. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I, I get that question a lot. Well, how much should I be saving of my social security or my uh, pension or my money that's distributing from my accounts? And the answer is really nothing unless you are going to save a little bit per, per month for a annual expense, then I could see that coming into play. But in most situations, you've retired and it's now spending the money and the incomes that you've accumulated. The last piece of emotional readiness that we really want to talk about is if you are married, how your relationship with your spouse might change once you actually enter retirement. So for many people, if you've both been working You've been spending time together maybe before work and after work, but not in those 8 to 10 hours during the day. And sometimes spending an inordinately higher amount of time with somebody can create a level of friction. (laughs) Those of you who are listening that know that's in your life are going to be laughing. (laughs) But it can create a new dynamic with your spouse. And so one of the most important things that you're going to want to do is have some conversations ahead of time with your spouse about what the expectations are of what life is going to look like on a day-to-day basis with your partner. Yeah, there's a lot that goes into that. And, um, you know, we've, we've talked with people who uh, have said that they're, they're, they have very different um, goals and how they're going to spend their day and just plan to meet up at the end of the day for supper like they have for their whole lives. And other people have full intent to volunteer together, to work together, to travel together, and to spend a lot of time together. And um, hopefully one of those sides resonates with you. And if one spouse feels one way and one spouse feels the other way, that's where definitely the conversation needs to be had to make sure that both spouses can be on board with what the retirement um, day-to-day is going to look like. We had one couple tell us that they were laughing because the wife said to the husband, honey, I married you for dinner, but not for breakfast or for lunch. (laughs) She wanted to be on her own to be able to do her own thing. She didn't want to have to fix lunch for anybody. She didn't want to have to be tied down to any certain schedule. And so that's one thing to think about. The other thing to think about is if somebody has been retired for a while and then the second spouse retires, that first spouse who's retired already has a pattern. They already have their habits. They already have what they're normally used to. And that new spouse retiring, while it may be a joyful occasion, it's going to upset the apple cart of the already retired spouse because it's going to get in the way of what their norm is. So having some discussions around what the expectations are for together time and for what time and boundaries need to be respected within your marriage or your partnership are really important to have ahead of time. (laughs) Discuss those things before you're fighting about them or irritated by them. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So on the emotional readiness, I think that gives you some good things to think about. So let's focus on the second stool leg, which is the health-related factors. When it comes to health-related factors in retirement, there's a couple of pieces of this that really kind of make people stumble when they're thinking about this. The first is the health insurance side of things. The second one is the nursing home questions that surround people when they're in retirement. And the third is actually just the health-related issues in general in terms of the fact that health issues pop up in retirement more than any other time in life, possibly. And so um, you have three types of issues that are connected to health that really impact people during their retirement planning. 
Yeah, this one, you know, I get probably more questions on this than, than almost any other thing, it seems like, um, as people are approaching retirement. Um, you know, they've been having, hopefully, financial conversations for many years by this point and um, are starting to get a real good handle if they're not already there on their their income um, and their their financial side. Um, they maybe haven't talked about the emotional readiness, but there's been some thoughts there, but the health related is a huge uncertainty for people. And in fact, it can um, cause people to not retire on mm-hmm. the schedule that they wanted to um, because they're, they're unsure of how the health related pieces are going to impact their retirement. So instead of, you know, doing some planning, they, they just work longer. And, and I always encourage people, if this is a big unknown and this is a big thing that, that is keeping you from actually retiring, speak with somebody about that and do some planning to see, um, can you retire even before um, Medicare kicks in and things like that? Can you weather the, the pre-Medicare um, insurance need with your, your cash flow, Um, maybe, maybe not, but until you look, you won't really know the answer to that. So one of the things that I want to talk about is retiring early. So if you're going to retire early, um, you don't are no longer required to have health insurance, but it's going to be an awfully good idea. And so with that in mind, understanding how health insurance works leading up to Medicare is going to be important. Now, if you want to be able to extend your company's health insurance up to Medicare age, you need to have a conversation with your HR department to understand if your company participates in COBRA or if it participates in something called state continuation. And different companies, depending on their size, have different rules. So COBRA typically lasts for up to 18 months, where you can extend your company's coverage for 18 months, which means that you could probably retire when you're 63 and a half, extend your company's health insurance from COBRA until you're 65 and eligible for Medicare. Now, if you do that, you have to understand that you have to pull the you have to pay the full freight of the cost for that health insurance. While you've been working, it's probably been somewhat subsidized. But once you go into COBRA, you're paying the full amount. So you have to research what that cost is and how long it will last. State continuation differs in the length of time. It works the same way, but it's not 18 months. Typically, state continuation is only up to nine months. And so you don't want to retire at 63 and a half and get a nasty surprise that you get state continuation instead of COBRA. (laughs) And then you're going to have a gap. The other thing about retiring early, and Kelsey, I know that you've seen this with some of your clients even more recently, is when you have spouses who are differing ages, one spouse might be fine in that 18-month COBRA out to the Medicare age, but if they have a younger spouse, that spouse has to fill the gap. And so filling the gap with private health insurance can be kind of pricey. What, what's the average cost of health insurance that we see out there, Kelsey? Oh, it completely depends, but you know, looking at that $1,000 mark per month um, pre, pre-Medicare, that's not out of the realm of, of what to expect. When we are budgeting with people to help them figure out how they can retire early, which is really one of our favorite things to do. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite. 
We definitely use around $1,000 a month as a benchmark for personal health insurance that's going to be needed in that gap, whether it's COBRA or whether it's individual or affordable care coverage or whatever it is. That's what we budget for is $1,000 per person. Now, if you have health insurance that's less, that's fantastic. Or if you qualify for something that's less, also fantastic. One of the things that you can also try to do is you can try to figure out how to set yourself up to be eligible for the subsidy. So if you need private health care, then there's a dollar amount, which is in the mid 60,000s. And if your income level is under that, then you might qualify for a subsidy in the cost of your health care. And it can save you thousands and thousands of dollars a year. Well, for most people who are retiring early, living on an income of somewhere in the mid-60,000s is not their ideal number. So there are different tips and techniques that you can do to try to set yourself up for that, meaning that having money set aside that you're going to be using during the gap years from when you retire until you're eligible for Medicare, if you have a cash pool set aside in something that you can easily access without a lot of tax consequences, then you might be able to keep your income under that subsidy level, pull from your cash stash to supplement your income, and still qualify for that subsidy. Now, that takes a lot of careful planning. So if that's something you're interested in, you're definitely going to want to reach out to us and visit with a financial planner about how to keep your income levels in that subsidy area, what to do in order to be able to qualify for that and what to watch out for. But it's something that can help people who are potentially looking at retiring early. Welcome back to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. And today we're talking about, are you ready to retire? So we've talked about emotional readiness. We've dived into some of the healthcare issues. And we want to touch just briefly on long-term care. And here's the thing that I want to say about long-term care is that long-term care insurance might be something that you want to look into. And the primary reason that people might want to look into that is because an extended stay in a nursing home or with chronic medical costs can blow up a retirement plan. So when you have a lot of expenses connected to health care and your actual health issues, it can create an environment where so much money has gone towards that that it leaves your spouse who's still healthy in a precarious financial position. So investigate whether or not long-term care is right for you. And that decision point is going to come down to what kind of quality of life needs to be there for your survivors and how much money do you actually have in your retirement pool to know if insurance is needed or if you can actually self-insure against this because you have enough value. Yeah, what most people don't understand is um, in order to qualify for the, the state paying for it, the Medicaid part of it, um, you have to spend your assets down pretty significantly. Um, and it varies by state to how far you have to spend those down. But you usually have to spend your assets down if you're a single person almost all the way and sell your home. And if you're a married person, you know, somewhere in that $80,000 range is where you have to spend mm-hmm. it down to. Um, and leaving $80,000 for your spouse to live on um, may, and depending on how young they are when, when this happens, may not provide them the lifestyle that's um, what they're used to, let alone comfortable, just depending on each person. So um, it, it's important to understand how 
you intend to pay for something like that when it comes up and to consider the option of uh, insuring to some capacity ahead of that while you're still able to qualify for it if you're, you're wanting to provide a certain level of care for you or your spouse. So get some professional help with that because knowing if you need coverage is going to depend on your own personal situation and your health and your marital situation. So because there's so many factors and there's so much complexity to that kind of coverage, I really encourage you to reach out and call us to visit about whether or not it's something that you need in your plan. Okay, with the time we have left, I want to talk a little bit about income planning, because one of the things that is true about retirement is that investing and building wealth is one thing, but turning that wealth into the most effective income streams is a completely different thing. It's a different art. So there's a lot of financial advisors that might be good in terms of helping you build your wealth. But there's not as many advisors that are strategically designed to help you maximize the wealth you have by turning it into the most effective income streams. Yes, so completely different arts. <laughs> um, and I, I hear people say, oh, I got a really great stock guy and, that, you know, whatever the, the, their story is. And that that might be true, but how can they turn it into income? Are they good at that? And so you need to be seeking out somebody that can help you with that as you're nearing retirement, because you are likely going to give up your um, income and how you earn money um, and so weathering storms of the market are going to be create maybe a little bit more fear for you. Maybe not, um, but there are definitely ways to protect you from um, different risks. Now, a new risk that enters into um, your picture when you retire and start drawing on your money is a risk called sequence of returns risk. And that is a risk of, um, you know, negative markets happening early in your retirement. Many of you probably know and remember the 2008 right. uh, market correction and crash. <laughs> um, and maybe even know some people that had to go back to work during that time. And that um, is really unfortunate, but that is completely and totally connected to sequence of returns risk. So if you've never talked with somebody about how you're protecting yourself against that risk, then you need to be talking with somebody who can help you with that. So there's two really, really big and messy mistakes that people make when they get to retirement age. The first one is that they get nervous about the market downturns that could possibly happen once they're no longer earning an income. And they take all of their money and they make it so conservative because they're afraid of loss that they don't really give themselves any earning power. And the truth is that some of your money is probably still going to be invested for 10, 15, 20, even 30 years, depending on how long you live. And to take away the earning power for that period of time could really be a disservice to your retirement planning. The second biggest mistake that they make is completely ignoring this <laughs> and leaving everything too risky. And then when market downturns do happen, it puts them in a position where they do have to think about going back to work because they're reducing their retirement pool by such a big percentage when it's down to continue taking income from it. And that's the sequence of returns for us that Kelsey is talking about. So to avoid those risks, the best thing that you can do is look at the value that you've saved for retirement ahead of time and begin to create a strategy that isolates the risk in different pools of it. We call it a bucket plan. You want to bucket your money in such a way that you know where you're going to take money from and when. You 
want to maximize the tax consequences of doing that, or I should say minimize the tax consequences of doing that, you want to be able to make sure that all of your buckets have good performance potential inside them and that they're aligned with the right risk levels. Now, that's a lot of different things that goes into a bucket plan, but that bucket plan is designed to help you eliminate the sequence of returns risk eliminate the problem of having to go back to work because there was a market downturn because your income stream is now affected and aligns the money that you have with the risk tolerances that are important for you to have. So that type of planning is something that we can do at our office. So give us a call if you're interested in doing some type of bucket planning. Um, And so with that in mind, that's the biggest financial factor that you're going to want to pay attention to when you're thinking about that three-legged stool. So we've talked about emotional readiness. We've talked about health-related issues. And we've talked about the financial factors And we hope that all of these things are pieces that will help you make sure that you actually, in fact, are ready for your retirement when the time is right. So thanks for listening to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of your audio provider and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can assure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Woodbury Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Insurance offered through Sturk Financial Services, which is not affiliated with Woodbury Financial. Sturk Financial Services is located at 350 Oak Tree Lane, Suite 150, Dakota Dunes, South Dakota 57049, and can be reached at 605-217-3555.